Right. Give me a nature check. Oh, no, sorry. It'd be a survival check. Give me a survival check on building that kind of fire. Of course. <laughs> this would be a good time for a lodger to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little prayer before I burn the place down. Live from the Mundangerous Hairbrain Scheme in New York City, I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 305 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. This is Actual Play Season 2, Episode 5. In this episode, we are playing through an adventure inspired by A Deep and Creeping Darkness from the 5th edition adventure collection, Candlekeep Mysteries. Tez Proudgale is not harebrained. Mm, but the scheme... To kidnap mm, the bishop. When I when Tez pulls this scheme off, <laughs> we're gonna agree it's not harebrained. It's genius. Anyway, continue. Recap my exploits, sir. Tez Proudgel is planning to try to kidnap as a fourth level rogue multi-class artificer is attempting to kidnap an at least ninth level bishop. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Pawns take bishops all the time, so maybe it's not crazy. True. I guess I guess we'll find out. And he's also trying to get 5,000 gold in reward. He wants that coin. Strictly speaking, Tez is now trying to prevent 5,000 gold from being paid erroneously. <laughs> to these jerkwats. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so with those of you have, who have been listening, you, of course, know that this is a very loose interpretation of this adventure. We have absolutely gone off the rails. It's nothing like it anymore. Uh, also, uh, it's not over. We originally thought four episodes. Uh, it's going to be six. You're welcome. It might be six. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're gonna... Let's just see how harebrained I can get, Ishan. We are going to lock this down. Okay, so you're in the stables. Correct. With Lucas, the barman. Yes. A dead chimera on a cart. Uh, Yes. Four horses. Yes. And no one else. And you have just dropped this knowledge upon Lucas. Who looks at you and says, uh, "Do you get hit in the head finding the beast?" Many times. Uh, I've been hit in the head several times, Lucas. But don't worry, I am clear of mind and clear of purpose. You know, she killed the chimera on her own. Uh huh. And you're no chimera. True. But you know what a chimera is? One-dimensional. I contain multitudes. I guess I'm beginning to see that. Yeah, so here's the thing, Lucas. She is a mage. I don't know what kind, but there's three things I know about mages. If they can't speak, if they can't see, and if they can't move their hands, they aren't very useful. Meepo's nodding vigorously. And if they can't breathe, they're even more useless. Meepo cocks his head to the side. So, so just murder. No, 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 no. Just, uh, look, it'll be fine. All we have to do is make sure she's more interested in breathing than she is in casting a spell, and we'll have her at our disposal. When you say no, 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 Meepo is putting his dagger back in its sheath. Yeah, we, we need her alive, Meepo. Okay, no murder. Yeah, if we murder her and then turn her over to the Titan... That will probably not release them from whatever this revenge is that they need to seek. But if we deliver her for justice, cosmic 
justice, I guess, then it'll be fine. Lucas breathes a heavy, heavy sigh and looks at you and says, I'm 95 years old. I got nothing to lose. What's the plan? Now let's jump into Blades in the Dark style uh, flashback planning where you don't really need to plan anything. And I'm going to give you three flashbacks. One for you, one for Meepo, one for Skelebro. They are free if it's a small thing. And the bigger the flashback is, the more I will ask you to give up and we'll have a negotiation. We'll see. While Tez has a plan, Shane has not yet settled on it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the meantime, also, I forgot to tell you a very, very important thing. What's that? You took a short rest in the woods. I did. Meepo had an opportunity to take his ring back and try it out. Oh, yeah. What happened? He's pretty sure. I mean, he's not 100% sure because he wasn't able to get to his bath. But he's very excited for his bath because he's pretty sure the ring helps him swim. It is a ring of swimming, and any creature wearing it has a 40-foot swim speed. It does not require attunement. That is positively ironic, given my current shape of plan. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) So Lucas can tell you that Ascarda is in a, a room upstairs at the end of a hallway. At the end of a hallway, you say? Mm hmm She wanted, you know, more privacy. So she's in a corner room. Perfect. And uh, uh, this is a stable that we're in, right? Mm-hmm. So would you say that it has a cart with a uh, chimera on it and also a uh, a few water or like beer barrels, given that this is a uh, tavern? Yes, definitely water barrels. And if you need beer barrels, yes. Okay. Uh, not picky. Just want the largest size barrel available that will fit on this cart. Water. Uh, Meepo, Skelebro, go ahead. Pull this around under her window with the chimera on it or not no 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 no. well help me move this chimera off and then we'll put the barrel on and then you know bring it around where are you putting the chimera uh, on the gr- i don't care leave it on the <laughs> ground at the stable the chimera is not important anymore all right the the three of you manhandle this dead creature and kind of like roll each head over each of like sort of takes a head and rolls it over and it flops to the ground and Lies there very, very dead. Perfect. The horses get a little get a little whinny. When you hear the signal, all you have to do is shout up to just jump. Make sure that the lid is off, and as soon as she does, slam the lid on top. Okay? That's all you have to do. Say it one more time for me. I'm sure they got it, but <laughs> I want to yeah. make sure I okay. got it. So here's what's going to happen. Uh-huh. She is going to jump out of the window. Uh-huh. Into the barrel. Into the softest surface that she can. Mm-hmm. The barrel uh-huh. for safety. Uh-huh. Uh, and then once she is in the barrel, they're just going to slam the lid on it. Definitely. Okay. Sure. Yep. yep. She won't be able to see. <laughs> she will not be able to use somatic components. <laughs> and she will not be able to breathe. Okay. All right. Let's do it. So they, they will, as quietly as they can, wheel this cart out uh, and around to uh, the corner, the back corner of the, the inn. And they place it under the room that Lucas has said is hers. All right, Lucas, this next part is going to hurt a little bit. But like you said, you're 95. You don't have any heirs. And there's 5,000 gold on the line here. So, like, I'll make you whole. Uh, Definitely raises an eyebrow here. Says, as I sp- 
spark of kindling in my hands and search around for a bucket with which to grow this blaze. Wait, you, you want to set the barn on fire? Oh, no, I'm headed into the tavern. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, there's straw everywhere. So I'm gonna take that take that straw, like gather it into into uh, a bucket. Um, you know, gra- I'm grabbing like handfuls of straw. Right, I want this. Uh, I want this fire to burn hot. I want it to burn fast. I don't necessarily want it to burn anything down, um, but I definitely want it to be a big problem. Okay, so lots of smoke, and it'll burn out quickly. Uh, correct. Uh, I want to create. Uh, Tez wants to create a panic. Right. Give me a nature check. Oh, no, sorry. It'd be a survival check. Give me a survival check on building that kind of fire. <laughs> of course. This would be a good time for a lodger to get involved. It's <laughs> a little prayer before I burn the place down. Okay. All right. Aladra has blessed this. I uh-huh. rolled a perfect 10 uh-huh. <laughs> plus three. Uh, and then survival is a plus zero. So 13. 13 to make a fire. All right. Where are you making this fire? Uh, I am making this fire. Well, I will be placing this fire. I will be letting this, setting this fire loose uh, in the hallway outside her door. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I needed to spread enough that, like, it's kind of, I, I like basically, I want to light the hallway ablaze a, a uh, and then start a panic, so that rather than run into the hallway, everybody simply looks for uh, the next path of egress, which will of course be the window of their room. I see. Okay. Um, So with a 13, uh, you know that this town used to be nicer than it is. And it seems that the inn also used to be nicer when there was more business. So the hallways have worn, faded uh, rugs, long runners. Uh, Mm. And so you can set that on fire. Uh, uh, And you can take the the small blazing in your hand and basically dr- draw a line of fire ac- across it it uh quickly catches um and you know with a, a combination of the the age that dies and the application of a bit of water here and there um it becomes quite smoky perfect i <laughs> this is probably a good time for a flashback okay so I have a second level spell scroll that we have never really sorted out what it was. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, uh-huh. I posit that that is a scroll of arcane lock. <laughs> okay, that one's free. Sure, yep. Okay, I arcane lock her door. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You're an artificer, right? But you're a first level artificer. True. And arcane lock is second level. True. And you can't normally cast second level spells, mm. which means you need to make a, I believe, DC 12 intelligence check in order to cast this spell. I'm not even worried about this. Arcane lock is not concentration, so I will be guidancing myself. <laughs> uh, intelligence, you say? Mm-hmm. Well, happily enough, my intelligence is plus four. My bonus from Eladra is plus three. Added to my roll of a five. <laughs> I have a DC 12 <laughs> intelligence check. I feel like Eladra is like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll allow it, but like barely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it succeeds. Goes off without a hitch. Uh, f- briefly, you see a glow around the entire frame of the door, 
uh, and then it goes dark. Okay. I, uh, I'll give it a minute. Just letting the blaze conflagrate. Are you doing anything to, like, direct smoke or flame into her room? Oh, or just yeah, because like yeah. you're now standing in a very smoky hallway. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm th well I'm throwing more fuel on this fire, right? I mm -hmm. want this fire burning high and bright and smoky uh because I am very shortly going to start shouting to wake everybody up. I want their door handles hot and I want them panicking and I want them screaming and shouting. I want her awaking in an absolute panic. Give me performance for your <laughs> shout. I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> That's a 14 plus one, uh, and then my performance is plus three. So that is 16. Uh, no, wait, uh, 18. Uh, okay, what do you what do you shout and how? Uh, I mean, I shout the only thing you shout in this situation. Fire, fire, grab water. Oh my God. As I, uh, as I stumble out of my room uh, in a panic, and wait for uh, wait for the first of the of the roused like other patrons, and then duck into duck into my room again to grab our stuff. So Meepo and Scalabro, according to Tez's orders, have taken this cart with a barrel full of water, and as they're doing that, um, they can see the smoke continues to build, and now flames are starting to lick uh, parts of the roof. This is not good for the inn and the window to Ascarda's room doesn't burst open with broken glass it you hear like they hear like a latch open and then it swings outward and she pokes her head out looks around and looks down and then quite spryly hops over the sill and straight down into the barrel Meepo and Skelebro, I think, briefly look at each other and then drop their buckets and scramble to get the lid on this thing as they realize the full extent of what they're dealing with. <laughs> uh, neither of them expected this thing to actually work, at least this far, uh, but they are able to get the lid on uh, and clamp it shut. But they don't hear any sound coming from inside the barrel. I mean, good. <laughs> <laughs> Time to go. <laughs> Give me... Hmm. So what do you want them to do with, with the barrel now? Like cart it off somewhere? Oh yeah, they're they're they just take the cart and go. Uh, like they're yeah. So I guess this would be a flashback. But the the last instructions that Tez said were to to meet him just outside the gate. You know, as soon as they have her in there, and we'll we'll deal with her together. All right. So they start trotting off. They still hear the water sloshing inside, but don't hear a sound from within. But the water is sloshing? Mm-hmm. The water is sloshing. All right. There's a chance she can breathe. That's good. No time limit. They don't get to the meeting spot. They're heading there. And just shy of three minutes after Ascarda went into the barrel, the barrel breaks from the inside. And water begins pouring out. Less than 10 seconds later, uh, there's another loud crack from inside uh, the barrel, and it's almost like it's opening, like uh, something's hatching out of an egg. As soon as, so they'll pop the, the top of the barrel. Her natural reaction, of course, will be to rise out of it. Mm -hmm. And as she does that, that's where Meepo will spring with the uh, with a, a gag, right, to 
to try to keep her from being able to speak or shout. So it's just like, and then and then once she's gagged, then like she can just be grappled bodily by Scalabro. So I think they're gonna try and execute that plan, because if there's one thing I know about about the weakness of magic, it's that people are too reliant on it. They think it'll get them out of everything, but sometimes you don't know what's going to happen when someone just hits you directly in the mouth with a gag. All right. You know what? Let's do it. Okay. So. Thank you. Meepo pops the lid off and then he's going to try to gag her. Uh, All right. Have Meepo give me a grapple check. This is the weapon part of this though, right? Wouldn't you say this is finesse? It's not actually a garrote. It's 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 an improvised garrote, which means he definitely doesn't have proficiency. I'll allow it. Sure, give me give me an improvised weapon attack, which is strength, which is the same as a grapple check. How how is a garrote not a finesse weapon? He's not trying to like slit her throat with it. Because improvised weapons uh, can't be finesse. I mean, you can rule zero that. <laughs> and I will not. <laughs> well, I still have pack tactics. You can't take that away from me. That's true. You guys have I cannot wait. This, these are new dice. They haven't rolled a 20 yet, but I really can't wait for this to be the one. All right, Ishan. 18 minus 3. And I don't add proficiency because I'm not proficient. Do I have disadvantage? Uh, I mean, I can't get a whole lot better than an 18, but I don't have disadvantage, right? It's just no, no. proficiency bonus? Right. Okay, well, I didn't improve. I rolled a 6 and an 18 because I have pack tactics. Great. With a minus 2, that's a 16 versus AC, sir. He doesn't gag her, but he's choking her. Perfect. I'll just roll I'll just roll the damage. <laughs> Incidental damage. <laughs> there was some damage. There was one damage on average. <laughs> Can Scalabro wrestle her now? Yes. And restrain her? Yeah, so he's going to try to grapple, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, yes, now he makes a grapple check. Which is uh, acrobatics or athletics, yeah? Uh, it is athletics versus their acrobatics or athletics. It's going to be hard for her to beat him. I've got a plus two proficiency bonus, so uh, 17. Ooh, that does beat her. Uh, grappled. I was a little nervous when you described her as surprisingly spry. <laughs> she is surprisingly spry. Um, how Scalabro gives me a wisdom saving throw? It's like you know his weakness. Oh, his weakness is faith. <laughs> 14 plus 1. It's 15. 15. Yes. Scalabro is turned. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Her uh, badge of office blazes with holy light, and the undead abomination before her is frightened. Meepo can get this done. And must uh, use uh, his action to move as far away from her as possible. That's fine. Uh, so Scalabro runs away, <laughs> but at the yep. end of his turn can make another save, and then Meepo. All right. Uh, is hanging on for dear life with a makeshift garage. We're running out of cards to play, boys. Uh, uh, what What is her badge of office? Like, it's just affixed to her armor, like a, like a patch kind of thing? Uh, yeah, it's the clasp of her uh, now sopping wet cloak. She has a sopping wet cloak? Uh, yes. I cannot believe I'm about to do this. Um, I didn't realize she was wearing a cloak. Mm-hmm. She put a cloak on before she jumped out the window. That was a big mistake. 
It's got a hood? <laughs> it does not have a hood. Ah, okay. Well, so it's more like a cape. Yes, you're right. It is, it is a cape. Okay. Meepo wraps that around her face. Uh, now that's a grapple check. Great. Finally, something Meepo's good at. <laughs> oh, and he is so good at it. I don't think she can possibly catch this, actually. 17 plus 3 is 20. He has a plus 3? Isn't his strength uh, 16, terrible? 16 dex, right? Grapple's strength. Uh, can't you use uh, acrobatic? To resist. You Isn't can. this acrobatic? I'm uh, a drowning. I'm trying is... to wrap a drowning woman in a wet cloak. Talk, talk to, uh, talk to the designers. You know, grapple checks are the offensive grapple check, uh, is strength based. All right. Well, fifteen then. Fifteen. So he grabs her cloak and tries to wrap it over her head, and she, surprisingly stry, spry and strong, uh, grabs his claw with one hand, and bends it backward to keep him from doing that. Uh, which means that her throat is now free. Oh, I have Scalabro make a uh, wisdom saving throw. Uh, I think this is the same one that just failed. Uh, 15 plus 1? 16? Uh, we'll still fail. This is a good time for Tez to show up. I would like that to be my flashback, please. Works for me. He shows up. Uh, so he shows up. It's her turn. Oh, no, no. So actually, it's Meepo's turn, right? Because he's trying to grapple. Correct. Uh, but her voice is now free. Uh, she's looking down at Meepo, and then Tez rolls up, and Scalabro is still booking it, running away as fast as he can. And she looks over at you and says, Well, you've got my attention. Uh, she sort of uses her head to motion to Meepo and Scalabro and says, Since you sent these two, I don't think you're actually trying to kill me. It's been a long time since someone didn't try to assassinate me. Why don't we talk? Fine. You agree? Right, she seems a little surprised that you agree. Uh, she will let go of Meepo. What will Meepo do? Ready in action to stab her in the kidney? If she... Oh, if she does anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> if she looks at him the wrong way, Meepo is incensed. <laughs> He's disrespected. <laughs> Meepo does not fail. This is like the first time Meepo has legitimately failed at anything he's attempted. It's true. It's true. He's been very good. Yeah, he's ready in green, green flame blade with, uh, with his dagger. I, I will say he had he had a chance. She actually rolled a nineteen on that um, grapple resist. Oh, so then he had no chance. Uh, I mean, he can't roll a nineteen. She sees like he's he's got his, his little dagger, and she eyes it. She looks at you, over you and says, "Let's not waste spell slots. I think I know what you're here to do. You might have an inkling of what I'm actually here to do. Why don't we team up? You're here to bury the past." And I'm here to unearth it. Those are functionally the same thing. Do you want this thing to stop killing people? Do you want your 5,000 gold? Now you speak my language. I don't care who catches this thing or who puts it back in the ground forever. But it's going to be easier if I have a little help. All right. For 5,000 gold, I'll help you kill this thing. Do you speak Mabron? She gets a confused look in her face. It says, mm, no, I suppose, well... I suppose I could. Yeah. Uh, and you had mentioned before uh, in planning tongues, which is a cleric spell. Yep. Uh, yeah, we're going to want to speak, Mabron. Do you know what you've created? <laughs> of course I do. Do you? Well, I'm kind of, you know, and at this point, I think we're, we're probably like getting, um, getting Skelebro back and like we're already moving that direction, right? We're, we're already leaving. 
Okay. Like uh, we're we're yeah we're walking off to the woods. There, the the whole point of this is that no one should know what's going on except us. All so right. I think we're disappearing into the woods. The four exactly. Of you. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. So I guess she asked has the last question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do I know what it is? No. Do I have strong suspicions? Yes. Do I know enough about the strange goings on of this world to know that two bitter souls? wrongfully killed in the name of a of a of a deity that did nothing for them could bear a grudge supernaturally strong that would lift them from the grave and make them mindlessly seek out revenge while uttering nonsense in Mabrin? yes so that's my working theory she's walking and like wringing out her her robes as as you're going like pushing her her hair back and looking at you and basically saying Yes, yes, yes. You're so melodramatic. Um, I suppose I should level with you. And I'll be honest, it would be nice to get this off my chest. It's a decent walk to the to the spot you buried them, so let's. you might as well have at it. Oh, no, we're not going there first. Definitely not. We're circling uh, back around to the other side of town. Let me explain. Okay. It would be good for you to know what we're doing uh, before you get us all killed. Do you know what the greatest weapon on the battlefield is? Uh, discipline. Mm, that's not a bad answer. And of course, looking at me, you might think I would say faith. No, that's ridiculous. It's, it's fear. Fear. Yes, of course it is. And you might have guessed by now it's a Warforged Titan. Or was a Warforged Titan. It was part of a new stealth program that we were developing. I, uh, I had an inkling of that, yes. I don't know if you know these things, right? They're they're big and they're dumb. They're not very bright, but they do follow instructions really well. Sometimes mm-hmm. a little too well. And if there's one thing you can say about my countrymen, they always favor principle over practicality. Always thought that's been a problem. I uh, I, I I don't feel like I can uh, agree with you without finding myself in jail, so I'll just stay quiet. <laughs> uh, so you can see she's beginning to like take a circuitous path, skirting the town, doubling back around. We invited House Kanath to build the Titans for us. It was going wonderfully. Uh, We paired them with uh, soldiers who could utilize the element of surprise. Because what's more terrifying than a 15-foot-tall war machine suddenly popping out of nowhere? Uh, Of course, some overzealous idiot decided to try to teach this thing Silver Flame Doctrine. Oh, dear. The best thing I can ascertain is uh, someone told it that one of its directives was one of the mottos of the local regulars. If you're not with us, you're against us. It performed admirably on the field, but after that, as soon as its crew changed out of uniform for maintenance, it killed them. It seemed to think that since they weren't in uniform, they were no longer with us. And it started going berserk, ran off, and I was hoping that would be the end of it. Until it came back and killed all those villagers, who, of course, were not in uniform. Right. Uh, so where did Dash and Reeve come into this? Oh, the, they were the crew. Is that what, was, that, was that their names? I, I never pay attention to these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, that was their names. I mean, you did fake their burial. Oh, mm, you know... Uh, I care about how people feel. I, I can't help it. I'm an empath. Sure. 
Uh, what are we tracking back for? Well, the first time it was easy to track this thing down. It wouldn't attack soldiers. Until we started attacking it. And then I think its brain broke. Because people out of uniform weren't with it. And now people in uniform weren't with it. So I'm pretty sure it just wants to kill everything. It put up uh, quite a fight. It did kill a lot of people, but we had ended, up, ended up having to bombard it with artillery. Uh, no one wanted to go look in the hole, so we just covered it up. Really more efficient that way. Uh, and I'm, I'm guessing uh, in that same hole were its crew? I would say it would have to be, because their bread and butter of this stealth team... They would cast Fog Cloud and then pass uh, without trace. Uh-huh. Simple, effective, low-level spells that anyone, even a mage right, can handle. But no one expects Fog on the battlefield. No one expects to get run through by three longswords at the same time, though, either. <laughs> sure. I, I suppose that's true. Anyway, we're heading back to the factory. We raised that thing, but we've, uh, gotta get some stuff inside you see this uh this thing's hard to kill it's hard to put down so from what i remember house can built in a shutdown code we're going to need to go get it all right uh i don't suppose it's behind the lock and key or a trap filled dungeon or buried in a crypt or something oh it's in an abandoned factory underground but I don't think there should be anything in there, but that's why you're coming. <sighs> well, I do have a increasingly narrow set of skills. Uh, and now you can see you've all circled back around to the other side of town, the far end of town where, as would guess, the smokestacks that he saw in the mural uh, would have been 10 years ago. Is this just like a uh, a burned-out foundation? Uh, yes. It's like like you can see the remnant of where the of where the wall was, but it's pretty much gone. Right, like the edge of town, it was raised, and like nothing ever was ever built here again because the town just wasn't big enough. Uh, but she uh, starts using her foot to sort of clear out some rubble and leftover dust and, and ash, and you can see she's uh, looking for some sort of access point and she eventually finds it just a now blackened ring of metal and with a surprisingly strong grip as Meepo knows well she grabs it and yanks it up and with a screech it opens to stairs leading down into darkness has sheepishly uh stuffs his crowbar back in his bag uh and she says after you Meepo Watch her back. And, uh, yeah, Tez and, uh, and Skelebro will lead the way. All of you have dark vision. She does not, so she conjures a small moat of light in her hand. Gross. And you all head. Tez has, a, Tez has something on her. <laughs> Tez turns <laughs> and says, I really wish you wouldn't. And then stalks off into the darkness without the light. Mm. All right. Uh, you all head down, and you can see this is 
Tez is not surprised by what's down here. It's it's a a factory and and parts of it have have caved in, but you know there, it's a large warehouse type area. You can see like an old uh, conveyor belt, and she keeps pointing uh, westward through uh, the tunnels. But as you keep walking, you realize there's some fog down here. Not the thick, completely blinding fog that you encountered when you met the beast, but the lingering, eerie fog of the town. Hez gets this sense that something's watching him, just right between his shoulder blades. Tez turns back to Ascarda and says, uh, Bishop, do you know about the mean locks? Uh, she stops short and looks at you and says, Oh, uh, why are you talking about those little buggers? Is is that what's causing this? Yeah, we're, uh, we're about to be attacked. She like gives like rolls her eyes so hard and says, They are just so ridiculous. I know. And and as he says that, like Tez is pulling his rapier out and and Meepo is like you know, unslinging the uh, the head knocker and um, uh, like there's the the like string of a great sword like being unsheathed and uh, having been through this once before, Tez and Co are are ready for this nonsense. And she says, "Remember, don't burn all your spell slots. We'll need them later." Lady, I'm an artificer. I don't I don't have spell slots. They're <laughs> You're like two. I, yeah, bless. I have power armor, okay? <laughs> uh, roll initiative, because you're not surprised. Never surprised. <laughs> uh, it's only my initiative, right? Yeah. Uh, I have a 19. Uh, oh, actually, I have a 19 on the die, so I have a 22. You all go, and then she goes. Um, but you don't see anything yet but you know something is about to happen because the weapon of warning has told you so. Was I able to do any research on mean locks? I can't, I can't remember what Shane knows and what Tez knows. I mean, you had, you took the paper with you, right? Like the book. Yeah. But, yeah. And you had an hour of downtime in the woods. Like you haven't actually long rested yet. Uh, but yeah, you could have read the entire entry and with a 19 intelligence, you would remember it all. Okay. So you, you essentially have the monster manual entry on mean locks. Perfect. <laughs> Okay, Tez says, let him up, boys. I'm going to use that last flashback. <laughs> uh, and from their pockets, uh, each of uh, of Tez, Meepo, and Skelebro pull out a, uh, a little bauble that Tez has provided them, a tiny non-magical object with a magical property of your choice. Five radius of light. <laughs> Five foot radius of light. <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, they are now each standing in a in a moat of bright light. Uh, so let me ask you this, because the mean locks haven't shown up yet. Do you want to ready actions to pull those out once the mean locks show up? Um, because in your reading, you're pretty sure if you have those, the, the mean locks won't jump in, right? They will figure out some other way to attack. Uh, okay. All right. Then, yeah. So then they will pull them out and ready the action to light them up. Uh, which which will basically magically spotlight us. Um, Ascarta sees you prepping, um, sort of raises an eyebrow, and then you think she's sort of reading something too. And then 
two Meanlocks appear out of thin air behind Tez and behind Meepo and lift sickly looking claws to attack but your action goes off uh yeah I think we uh, all of us light up our uh, light up our lights we're all spotlit alright the Meanlocks are shocked and surprised by this so much so that instead of attacking they both kind of like uh, almost shiver in place uh, and then their eyes pop open and it seems like they're expecting something to happen and nothing happened uh, and they as best you can tell because they have strange fey looking faces get scared and they both try to run for it it's time for attacks of opportunities boys yes indeed <laughs> that's, that's what we practice for is uh is Iskarden next to Meepo? Uh no. Uh so I'll do Meepo first because I have his stats in front of me. Uh he rolled an 18 on the die, so that will certainly hit with the uh head knocker. Uh three plus five. Uh eight damage with the head knocker uh from Meepo. Uh, and you and Scalabro will both get an opportunity attack because you you're all clustered together, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, cool. So, uh, so Tez has a 13. Skillabro has a 14 on the die. So Tez has a 19 versus AC. Mm-hmm. And Skillabro is, uh, that must be a plus five, right? So I think that's a, a 19. Uh, both hit. And I have an ally next to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> Eight plus three plus three uh, is 14. And then the static is four. So 18 damage from Tez. Very nice. And I believe it's 2d6 plus 3 from Skelebro. Uh 2d6 plus 2. Wait, 16 strength is plus 3, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so 2d6 plus 3, that's uh, 1 and a 4 plus 3 is 8 damage. Tez stabs the Meanlock that's trying to run away, and then Skelebro's greatsword slices it in half, and it fades away like so much fog uh, another one uh, is able to escape well escape your reach but you can still see it uh, nearby it's 30 feet away and it when it realizes it's alone it turns uh, and then tries it heads for uh, one of the large columns that's still holding up this uh, area but doesn't quite get to it so it's still out in the open Scarter doesn't do anything he just waits. So now it's all your turn again. Uh, okay. So, uh, we've there's some goofiness here with the way the actions line up, uh, and our rules around, uh, party actions. But either way, I think Tez is right. Just do it however it works. Yeah, yeah. Tez is Tez is going to charge forward, mm-hmm. uh, and attack this thing. It's rapier. Uh, that one might not work. Nine plus six is fifteen versus AC. Uh, that'll hit. Okay. And a seven plus... I just did this. Seven plus four so is 13. 11. Oh, 11. Uh, 11 damage on the rapier. Oh, damage. Okay. Uh, yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, you slash at it, and it uh, lets out another psychic scream in your mind. Uh, then I think the head knocker will come in from Meepo. I think that makes the most sense, uh, which will, I guess, be the attack... Uh, party action that's a 17 plus 5 
So 22 versus AC mm -hmm. for eight damage. All right, it's still up, um, but it takes it. Uh, and again, another another scream, and it seems to be preparing to do something. We've only seen the two. Yeah, so far. Uh, can Skillabro actually reach it? Uh, yes, because he's okay. he's uh, swift of foot, I believe. Yeah. So I yeah I think Skillabro will follow Tez uh, as soon as he goes and and make an attack himself. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, it had to turn sometime. Two plus uh five is seven two plus six is eight uh -huh. first ac sir uh so scalabro charges forward and uncharacteristically his swing goes wide at this little thing but just then uh Ascarda gives a little whistle and his blade swerves in midair uh and his eight is now an 18 and it hits Ooh, ooh, she's fun <laughs> <laughs> uh, six plus two on the dice is eight plus three is eleven. Eleven more damage from the great sword, and that'll do it. Slices through. Uh, one more down, leaving no blood on the blade because it fades like fog. But you hear uh, the the tinkle of metal on stone, and when you look down, uh, you can see the badge of office from the mayor. the town whom you had surmised had been turned into a mean lock and now it seems you were right uh well Tez will scoop that up and put it in his pocket so if you wait carefully listening to the dagger warning uh, and readying actions to see if anything else comes at you nothing does and you, you realize that right now you are not getting the sense that you are being watched. Not at this particular moment. You do think maybe you found the nest. Right. All right. Lamps off. I think this is the nest, boys. Uh, <sighs> Let's clear this out and get that passcode. So no more attacks come, and Ascarda leads you uh, deep into the factory past... Uh, the factory floor and in what looked like more administrative uh, areas, which are similarly abandoned and in ruin. Uh, but she's like tossing aside, you know, chairs and occasionally like smashing down a door that's off its hinges in order to like get into rooms. And she finally comes uh, to a, a small, unassuming uh, room. And there on the desk is a gray, a cold gray metal cube uh, one foot in every dimension and she goes up, up to it and sort of pokes it with a finger and says mm, it's a Kenneth control cube they always use these things to store information she sort of taps it and says mm, how did this thing work again ah yes you probably need an artificer to sort this out, I just happen to know one Oh, yeah? But do you know a competent one? She picks up the cube, and you can tell that it's like, surprisingly light. Uh, and she tosses it over you, one-handed. Says, well then, do your literal magic. Uh, 
I think Tez's first inclination is to use less literal magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's going to um, pop out his thieves' tools and try to uh, tease it open, looking for like a, a seam or, or a catch or something that, mm. that might be accessible from the outside. Give me a thieves' tools check. I feel like I have advantage on this somehow, but I don't know where that would come from. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Um, but it is okay. a, it is a dexterity check, so. Well, that's why I said I felt like it. Uh, oh, actually, hold on, hold on. Before you tell me, um, I'm also okay with you doing an intelligence thieves' tools check. Um, it's not materially different. I also have tinkers' tools. Uh, I feel like if I were to use intelligence, that would be tinkering more than than thieving. But uh, it's. It's not going to matter. <laughs> it's a, a 19 plus 2 uh, from Guidance is a 21, and then my uh, Thieves tools will be plus 5. So it's a 26. Okay. Yeah, you figure out pretty quickly um, that at least one way to activate it is to uh, throw in a magical tinkering into it. And then that basically makes every face of it a button. When you touch it, it lights up in different colors. And, you know, you touch the same one twice and it's a different color. You touch, you know, the top and the side and you get a different pattern of colors. So it's become a Rubik's Cube? Almost like that old game Simon. Uh, that's actually more what I was thinking of. But Simon <laughs> isn't a puzzle. It's a... it's a <laughs> Right, it's a memory it's a, game, yeah. It's a pattern following game, yeah. Uh, so you're not trying to follow a pattern. You can just tell, like, the interface is colors of faces of this cube. Mm-hmm. Um, give me, well, I'll say investigation, but you can sell me on something else in order to like play with this thing. And like, you're all here. So, um, I am fine with investigation. I think, I think that makes sense. Well, okay. So you said I had to use magical tinkering in order to, to actually like get it activated. That's, that ends up being what I, what Tez did. That's what you did do. Uh, you don't think it's the only way to do it. It's just an easy way to do it because, you know, half of House Kenneth is, an art, is artificers, right? Right, right. You you okay. could have, now you're pretty sure you could have, like, touched different faces in sequence without them lighting up in order to, like, open access to the interface. Got it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Tez has used magic to, to play with this now, so he's going to continue down that path. Mm-hmm. So I think, I feel like Tez would be more inclined towards, like, looking for a magical solution and using arcana rather yeah. than mm-hmm. just puzzling it out uh, well, would he oh man i don't know that's a good this this is a this is more of a personality thing now this so, is a, yeah i think the the bonuses are the same so uh they're not actually i'm worse at investigation but i still think i'm actually going to do investigation i mean tez will still still uh you know uh beseech eladra for uh for the guidance as you do uh and meepo can help with investigation right uh he can but i'm not trained in it so it, it i can't can't get a benefit it's fine okay. uh tez is just going to ace this role because tez is showing off because <laughs> tez is going to get some help <laughs> uh he rolled a three plus three plus four is ten it doesn't work <laughs> yeah uh, uh but you do get some information out of it yeah, the information is I should have let Meepo do it. Tess throws a stupid thing at Meepo and says, Meepo, just do your thing. <laughs> um, the information you get out of it is the top of the cube flashes an orange color. Great. 
over and over again. You keep trying to do it, and it just keeps flashing an orange color. Meepo, it might blow up in your face if you blow this, so don't blow it. Did you know he's trained in investigation and has a plus zero? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so he has a 13 plus two from Eladra's guidance. That's a 15 now. All right. Uh, Meepo is tapping different edges of the cube and different faces. And over and over again, he keeps getting the same flashing orange on top. And then it seems to sort of dawn on him and his jaw drops a little bit. And then you see him cast a spell. You've seen him do it often enough that you know he's casting Prestidigitation. Mm -hmm. And he taps in turn each of the other faces uh, and mimics the same orange color. And then the entire thing flashes for a moment and the whole thing turns uh, that orange. And Meepo says, Ah, orange is shutdown code. What was it turning on? The self-destruct? looks up at uh, the bishop and says make it make it orange make it orange yes she says ah there's a panel on the Warforged titan back that you need to open uh, I assume there'd be something that we insert or a key of some sort but he's saying make it orange and she sort of like puts her hand like uh, put her, puts her face in her in her hands and says ah these house cannon idiots always have such a sense of humor about things and she looks at the, the cube and says, That's not orange. It's vermilion. <sighs> the name of the town. Great. So she says, what, Whatever is inside that back panel, apparently turn it vermilion and that will turn it off. Wonderful. Uh, and you would know that both Meepo's Prestidigitation and Tez's Magical Tinkering could do that. Among other things. All right, Meepo. I guess we could just leave this where we found it. She sort of waves her hands. Says, I think it's useless to us otherwise. All right. Well, leave. I don't think we would have been able to produce that color without seeing it first, which I suppose makes it a secret. But now that we know, we can go kill this thing. Yes. I've memorized the magical hex code, so I can definitely <laughs> FF0099. I'm ready. So you're able to leave without incident. Um... You don't know if you've killed all the meanlocks or if they're just afraid of being eviscerated, like they're uh, two nestmates. But in any case, you're able to like, climb the uh, metal ladder back uh, to the surface. And at this point, it's four in the morning. Escarta looks up at you and says, well, what do you think? We could rest and tackle this in the morning. And she shrugs and says, it might kill someone else b before then. Or we can take our chances and try to take it out now. Well, I burned down the place we were sleeping, so <laughs> I feel like we might as well just get to it. Uh, she looks at, like the, each of you in turn and sort of shakes her head like she doesn't understand what she's gotten herself into. Uh, but she nods and says, all right, it's actually not far. Like I said, we didn't need to chase it much. And she heads uh, due west out of town. I, I mean, in, in, in pure game terms, uh, after that short rest, like, I mean, Scalabro's missing one hit point. Right. And you, you basically took we've none, spent, nothing happened in that fight. Yeah. we've And we've spent one spell slot each. Right. So, like, I, I, 
I feel like in fiction and then also just for expedience, like I'm not casting two spells in this fight. So let's like, you know, and Meepo isn't casting three. So we might as well just move on. All right. So you follow her and it seems like she's sort of getting mm, more open, more, more relaxed. Remember she was like sort of jovial and almost like grandmotherly when you first met her. Um, obviously that seems to be some sort of facade, but she seems to be like falling back into it. <laughs> she also starts like bad mouthing people. She's like, you know, I will say if we actually survive this, I'm glad I won't have to give Duhamel and his morons any money. Actually, it'll be fun to almost give them the money and then actually say, never mind. I, why did you, why did you have to play coy? I don't, I don't understand. Why did you have to play coy? Oh, you mean the whole Chimera thing? You knew that I knew. All you had to say was, okay, go find the answer, and I would have done this work for you. I wouldn't have even had to bother tricking you into it. Oh, I mean, I didn't know who you were, or if you were just an idiot. I was right, you're an idiot, but you seem to be useful and and effective anyway. But you don't get far in my line of work or stay alive as long as I have by just spilling your guts to every happy kobold who comes your way or and she looks over at uh skelebro or random undead abomination first of all he has a name and i don't know it but i call him skelebro <laughs> second of all i wouldn't get i wouldn't get too attached this is thrain all you had to do was say okay find me proof and i'll i'll give you a day all you had to say was you have a day to find me proof all I needed was your assurance you weren't going to pay out the gold. That's all it took. I could have done this without you. I mean, I could have tried to do it without you. I would certainly wouldn't have had to burn down the inn and trick you into a barrel. Which, by the way, I got that one on you. So, She sort of gives a little like ha- half smile and a chuckle and says, Sure, that would have been faster, but isn't all of this more fun? I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. That's why I did it. <laughs> And then she gets serious for a moment, um, and her gaze grows distant for for a, a bit, and then she sort of like almost reluctantly says, and I'll, I was working on a timeline. The keeper wants this taken care of. You know, she's a nice girl, Dayla Darren, all right, but she's soft. She was worried that people would start blaming the shifters again. You know, claws and people getting their heads bitten off or cut off or whatever the stories people are saying in the villages now uh you know she doesn't think we have a great track record with the whole purge thing that's why she sent that ridiculous paladin to overlook this yeah i mean you don't he is really an idiot though huh right like who does he think he's fooling with this stupid human disguise wait hold on i'm sorry I think we're talking about different... Hank is a silver flame paladin? Is Oh, you didn't notice? He he basically tells everybody. I, uh, he, uh, did he not try to make friends with you? Uh, he's he's so silly. I, I like a good paladin, right? Like a smite evil and, you know, maybe random innocence. Like, that's great. Uh, but, you know, you try to talk to him about, talk to him about, like, the greater good? Mm-mm. Not having any of it. I mean, 
yeah, I mean, I picked up on it. I just didn't realize that that was like he's actually part of the church. I when you said paladin, I thought you meant the Templar. I thought you meant Duhamel, who also, by the way, is an idiot and sucks. Oh, mm. <laughs> we agree there. Uh, but, no, Hank. Yeah, uh, the keeper really took him under her wing. But I mean, <laughs> bullywug paladin. Who would have thought? Except, of course, for an eleven-year-old girl. It's cool though. Like I've never met a a bullywug paladin or really like any bullywug. Like it's pretty cool that he's, you know, changing the world, I guess, in his own way. My favorite thing to do is play cards with him. Terrible bluffer. Yeah, I could see that. He seems to talk a lot. It's not not very convincingly. Will not admit his disguise doesn't work. And then you come out of the trees, almost like you hit a tree line, uh, into a into what looks like it would be a glade, except that about 50 feet away begins a small lake. And Ascarta stops short, looks at the scene, and says, Ah, well, I guess that makes sense. It filled in with rainwater. Great. But anyway, this is where it happened. And Meepo gets very excited and says, Hmm, Meepo has never seen it. And glances down at his ring and begins making a beeline for the water. Uh, Meepo, hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, not the ocean. When we go... Stop short. When we go and visit the principalities, you will see the ocean. I'll take you on a boat. You'll see the ocean. Okay, oh. this is uh, this is a puddle. This is a, this is a glorified puddle. Okay, this is a... This is a filled-in crater. This is the kind of thing they warned us about as kids to not go jumping in because you don't know what's underneath it. Which, by the way, you would know if you hadn't grown up in the Citadel. So now you know. Don't go jumping in when you can't see the bottom of a of a of a of a body of water. He brandishes his ring of swimming and says, "But Meepo will be fine." It's not whether or not you can swim. It's what lurks beneath. And in this case, uh, and and. Tez turns to uh, to the bishop and says, I'm guessing there's a titan beneath, huh? And she says, this is where we buried it. And if you look closely at the map, this is the epicenter of the attacks. Yep. I think it keeps coming back here. I think it's tied to here, to this place somehow. But she looks around. I don't see it right now, so we're going to need to draw it out. And then she looks at you. <laughs> Ring of swimming, huh? Mm, but you know, it's here to get revenge on you, so... She sort of, like, you know, throws a hand out nonchalantly and says, like, oh, I don't know that that's the case. I mean, if what's-their-names are revenants, maybe, but she points at Skelebro. That's a revenant. These, eh, they might just be animated undead, doing what they what they always did, which is cast fog cloud and pass without trace, and the occasional mending. First of all, they were never particularly strong spellcasters. Don't call my friend that okay it's offensive he's a person he's got feelings and thousands of years of history so show some respect to your elders scalabro seems to like be about to protest every time you say something but then he almost seems surprised at himself that he agrees with everything that you just said (laughs) and then just like closes his mouth (laughs) anyway i guess since you finally started drying off i'll be the one to get wet now and 
uh, Tez is like taking off his cloak and folding it carefully and putting his bag over on the like you know hanging it from a from a tree limb and getting everything ready for what is going to be a fight yes this is a good idea Meepo and I have clothing that is much too fine to get wet you on the other hand look like a beggar (sighs) yeah this is why I keep the ring because I live like a pauper, and you two princes rub it in my face all the time, which is why I keep the loot from the missions. Uh, Skelebros snaps his fingers and says, Meepo, press to digitate me. Meepo wiggles his fingers, and all of the dirt and grime of the battle and travel and fighting the bishop just falls right off of Skelebros' clothes. All right, just be ready, okay? <sighs> How do you want them to ready? Uh, talk to me about gust of wind. <laughs> uh, if you me- if you mention that or some way to like handle the fog so you can see it, Ascarda says, "I've already thought of that." Okay, but when it comes out, remember, I would I would love if we could just beat this thing into the ground until it never moves again. But eventually, someone's going to need to open the panel on the back and make it vermilion. But Watch out for the the two spellcasters. Once they're not focusing on keeping the fog up, they might have other tricks up their sleeve. Well, Meepo, tell you what, bud. You might as well uh, give us that little blessing that you do because I don't think you'll be putting anything to sleep today. Meepo claps his claws together, casts an incantation, and... Uh, blesses... Up to three. Uh, up to three. So I assume he picks you, Skelebro, and himself. Yeah. You all feel blessed, and Meepo is concentrating. Meepo will ready the head knocker. Uh, Scalabro. Well, it only it only lasts a minute. You want him to do it right now, or oh, he's readying to cast bless. No. Uh, what do you want? To oh, happen? interesting. I mean, I kind of figured like more or less as soon as I jump in the water, I'm going to be running out of it. So how Definitely many rounds is it going to matter? Uh, you know what? Even if he blows it, he's got another spell slot, and he can't sleep on dead anyway. So yeah, uh, he'll he'll like as soon as Tez is like. You know, shoulders deep in the water and about to go under, he'll he'll go ahead and finish casting it. And so we'll start the timer at that point. Great. Okay. So um Tez has popped on the ring and Meepo's ready. Skelebro is what, standing nearby ready to charge and slash? Yep. Uh and you can see Ascarda is ready to cast a spell. Perfect. Alright. You dive in the water? Given the advice I just gave Meepo about not running into water you can't see the bottom of, uh, I will. Uh, Tez will calmly lower his head under the surface and then see what he can see and start swimming out. Yeah, you can see it's not murky. You can see maybe twenty feet ahead of you, but it's a it's a dark, cool, cold, clean water, like like a mountain spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see that it drops off pretty quickly like it's basically a what was previously um like a hole in the ground mm-hmm. uh, but he can't see any movement just by sticking his head up uh he i mean I, my last magical tinkering was still the uh oh let's do i have another bright lantern uh <laughs> he'll just turn on the lantern okay and see um, if shining shining a light gets any any better view you stick that under the water uh and now you can see like the glint of something reflecting. Tez will be like kind of moving the lantern around trying to 
to under like trying to move the light to get more of a reflection to try and like you know piece together what it is. Mm -hmm. But I think he'll probably just duck his head under and, and start kicking towards it, right? Like basically diving down. If there's nothing immediately dangerous around him, then he'll just start swimming towards it as well. Great. Once he's fully submer submerged, he could like Tez knows how to swim, and he's been a swimmer his whole life, I assume, growing up in like an island nation. In the Lazar Principalities, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, every every man a pirate, <laughs> every pirate a swimmer. <laughs> um, but when he's under the water, it feels like n nothing's stopping him. It's almost like flying, and he can see this faint shimmer that uh, has surrounded his body, um, making this streamlined form. And every stroke of uh, an arm or kick of his foot propels him like a water jet. Mm. Uh, and so he's able to kick very quickly uh, into the water, more quickly than he sort of expects. And and the the glint almost like rushes up at him as, as he swims so quickly. And uh, he can see uh, what looks like uh, a metal shell with a spike in the top of it. And then as he gets closer, it begins to rumble. Uh, and then the entire bottom of the lake uh, erupts into frothing bubbles and goes dark as Tez hears a low wail. turns around and tries to swim back out of the water. Uh, he can feel water moving behind him, uh, but he's able to get to the, the edge um, and dash back onto the beach as the frothing bubbles break the surface of the lake and then they spill out into billowing fog. And then almost silently the fog rolls forward uh, and above the water now you can hear another wail and Ascarda casts a spell. A blast of air rushes out of her fingers uh, hits the massive fog and just blows it apart like a candle. And for the first time you see the fog peeled back and you get a glimpse of what this thing actually looks like. 15 feet tall, covered in rusted metal armor with parts of its arms made of stone and one appendage ends in the gullet of a, a cannon that has embers of fire inside it. And the other, or what would be a hand, is actually a swinging, spinning contraption that clunks into place, and you can see it's three long swords that then rotate into the arm as a 10-foot greatsword swings out. And then it swings, and out come the long swords again, each time making a screech of rusted metal against metal, and then a clunk as they lock into place. And as it fully emerges out of the water, you can see that there are two platforms built into its sides and hanging over each of those platforms is an emaciated undead body 
moaning with unseeing eyes. Give me... Tez's perception is like 13, right? Uh, passive perception is 12. That's fine. You have dark vision. You can see. Um, so you know that it's made of metal, stone, and wood. Mm-hmm. The wood, however, doesn't look normal. Sure, the whole thing looks decayed, but there's something about this wood that looks familiar. And as it lumbers towards you utterly silently, leaving absolutely no tracks in the wet sand, you can see what looks like almost thick, dark veins running through rotted wood and reminds you of nothing so much as a twig blight. And we'll find out what happens next. Interesting. Next week. All right. Let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sands Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.totalpartythrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. And we are off to record bonus content for our patrons over at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. If you'd like to support the show and uh, uh, most importantly, support our editor, Ron, uh, for making these episodes, please check that out. There's uh, rewards at, at every level. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are finally finishing our playthrough of an adventure inspired by a deep and creepy darkness.